Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to the Rare Petro Network. And today we've got another episode of the Industry Leader Spotlight. Today I am joined by Matt Hawker. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks, Tavis. Yeah, good to have you. And of course, you can listen to this podcast as you're listening to it right now, but you may not know we have a YouTube channel. Plenty of visuals. You get to see my beautiful face, some company logos to really stick those points home. So make sure to look up rarepetro on youtube.com, subscribe, and who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit of something. But I've been gabbing for too long. Let's get back to Matt. After he graduated from the Colorado School of Mines with his bachelor's degree in petroleum engineering, he started Hawker Consulting in 2006 after accumulating six years' experience as a facility engineer in onshore and offshore environments. He's a registered professional engineer, and he's had experience founding and managing many oil and gas businesses throughout his career. When he's not consulting for clients focused on upstream and midstream infrastructure, EPC planning, and automated technology implementation, you can find him spending time with his active family, developing ideas in his workshop, and planning for adventures in the future. So... Again, welcome to the show. We like to kick things off with the first question we ask everybody, where did it all begin? I mean, were you a young lad with the dream of becoming an oil and gas facilities engineer, or was it a little bit different? It was definitely a little bit different. <laughs> I, uh, I had a, uh, I guess you'd call them a couple of false starts in college, <laughs> uh, which was a good thing. Um, it led me from Ohio to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once I was out in Colorado, I certainly fell in love with it and uh, worked a couple of uh, uh, non-college related jobs. Um, actually, I worked as a welder for a number of years and uh, have picked up that as, uh, as a hobby, uh, which I really enjoy. Uh, but it got to the point where I decided I, uh, I had to give college another try. And so that's what I did. And uh, Ended up uh, meeting a friend of mine, and uh, he, he toured the uh, uh, petroleum engineering department for me at Mines, and uh, sort of fell in love with it right then. And um, you know, I think early on, the vision of being an offshore drilling engineer in West Africa was that was my vision. I was going to go to college to be that. Uh-huh. Um, and then I graduated, and I really didn't get close at all to that. <laughs> uh, but graduating petroleum engineering certainly uh, certainly gets you going towards the oil and gas business for sure. Definitely. And then, so you kind of got your feet wet in college, figured out you wanted to study a little bit oil and gas. You said you had that dream. But then when do you think you really got into it and differentiated yourself from just uh, a professional to a leader in the professional environment? Good question. Um Frankly, I've never, uh, or in the past, I haven't thought myself as a leader. Uh, uh-huh. Certainly, I'm in a leadership position now. The, I don't know if I had an epiphany, but you know, working for uh, an offshore oil and gas operator that which which was uh, purchased or acquired uh, a couple of months after I started there uh, by a, a major oil company, and then um, having the opportunity to go from the offshore uh, environment out of Houston to the onshore environment in. Southwest Colorado uh, was pretty cool. Um, got to see the two facets of, of uh, engineering as it relates to offshore and then onshore. And then uh, at some point I wanted to do something a little different than uh, the engineering I was doing down in Durango and moved back to the Denver metro area and took a job uh, where I was the only engineer in the company. Um, so that was, that was a big move. Uh, I went from a company of probably over a hundred thousand employees to a company of about 50 employees. <laughs> and, 
and I was the engineer uh, uh, sort of a record there. And uh, that, uh, that is where I started to maybe see the opportunities in business. Uh, working for the big company, I, you know, I was focused on uh, making the money and doing the things that I needed to do for the big company. There's lots of metrics and training programs and protocols. Uh, and then when I went to the small company, there wasn't any of that. Um, not to say I didn't want to make the money, that, that was good and all, but there got to be a point where I was thinking, hey, I, I want to do my own thing. Um, I think I had some entrepreneurship in my blood. Uh, my dad had his own company, my brother has his own company. And so I, uh, I remember um, telling my boss that I was going to buy an oil well in Tulsa, a one barrel a day well. And I wanted him to know that it was going to be a conflict of interest. Um, I just, I saw it like a rental property and I, I wanted to get in the oil business a little more. So next day he comes back and says, uh, can I be your partner? I want to be 50. I was like, okay. Uh, and this guy was cool, man. He, he worked himself up to a executive position from, from a pumper pretty much. Uh, okay. So he knew how to operate an oil well. I knew in theory how to operate an oil well, but I never had. Um, so we bought that one barrel a day well, and uh, and then we bought another one in Denver, and then we bought four or five out in Western Colorado, and all of a sudden we had a we had a small little oil company, and um, that that uh, allowed me to uh, resign from my job and become an entrepreneur, um, and that was not a full time job, so I fell back on my engineering uh, skills and, and uh, started doing engineering consulting for the, for the company I had just left and uh, started to pursue, the, pursue those two um, uh, careers uh, in parallel uh, until it became a point where I, I realized I was just better with engineering and people uh, and, and I sort of gravitated more towards the, the consulting aspect of the business. And, uh, and then uh, from there, it was... Um, it was engineering consultant from, from then till now. Mm -hmm. And I like how you described that too. You didn't just wake up one day and go, all right, businessman time. I'm starting a company. You right, got those skills right. along the way. You met the right people and slowly the momentum carried itself and you found yourself in this position. But Absolutely. what exactly does Hulker Consulting do? Let the people know. Right. So our business, um, uh, our company collaborates and innovates. Uh, on multidiscipline engineered solutions to provide the energy we need. Uh, and so uh, to break that down a little farther, uh, I would say our bread and butter is, is detailed engineering of the process uh, through the automation and startup of a facility. Uh, so the best way to explain it, I think to, uh, to folks is if you were to go build a house, you would employ an architect and he would provide the plans to build the house. Our company provides the plans for oil and gas companies to build their facilities, whether that be a production facility in West Texas, moving 10,000 barrels a day with 15 wells coming into it, or a compressor station with several compressors in it, or a water handling facility, or a gas plant, um, et cetera, et cetera. We provide those detailed designs for people to go build their projects. Mm -hmm. And they do a whole lot more. I'm going to make sure to put up a, a little picture of their logo here. Definitely links to get to their website because they, they can certainly do something for you and your company. Yeah, thanks, Tavis. Further, um, I feel like we're relatively opportunistic. Certainly these times have required us to be even more opportunistic uh, in that 
you know, if we see an, a need in the market and not necessarily the oil and gas market, but in industrial markets in general, we're open to looking into what the opportunity is. Um, uh, as it relates to being opportunistic in the oil and gas business, uh, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, I, I met with a client and he explained a need uh, of his uh, that had to do with production surveillance on his oil wells down in West Texas. And uh, we took that idea and we ran with it. Um, and then earlier this year, we installed the pilot project for that. Uh, we patented the technology and uh, and then COVID hit. Oh, uh, oh. party so crasher. We more or less, yeah, so we more or less put that project on hold or on the shelf uh, and we're getting some renewed interest in it recently. But that that's a little different than detailed engineering. Um, that is, uh, we identified a need in the market. We uh, we did some research, um, some marketing of our clients, and then uh, and then uh, constructed a test facility and validated the technology. Came up with the algorithms, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that was that was pretty fun. Um, and then maybe the third and final thing we do, uh, which is maybe uh, maybe the most important because it's the human part, and that is to have a company that fosters a culture where people can speak up, promote good ideas. Feel safe to uh, uh, to tell those ideas or those objectives, and then at the end of the day, have fun. I mean, uh, we're around for uh, less than a hundred years typically, and and uh, we ought to have fun uh, in life. Um, so that's the type of environment that we uh, try to provide and promote. Um, and so uh, that that's in a nutshell what our company does. Yeah, hey, love to hear it. Again, I'll put those links through it because who doesn't want to work with a company who also prioritizes fun? So I graduated in May. I'm lucky enough that this is my first downturn. I like to say lucky enough, but you've been around a little bit longer than me. How does this one maybe compare to the ones you've seen in the past? Right, right. So um, after listening to one of your podcasts uh, where you interviewed the the professor about uh, where oil was, where it is, and where it's going, uh, which I thought was great. I, uh, uh, I realized that I graduated at a time of slow, I graduated in 99 from mines and I graduated at a time of sort of slow growth in the oil business. It wasn't booming, it wasn't busting. Um, and then when uh, sort of call it my first bust happened in 2008, I had, I had maybe two or three employees and it really didn't affect us. We had just one or two clients and uh, uh, there, wasn't, um, there wasn't a big disruption. And then, uh, then 2014, 2015 came um, and that was, that was not fun. Um, <laughs> I will say it provided a lot of opportunity to learn. Um, we all know that uh, failure, uh, failure is a place to learn. Failure, I, I don't think is seen as such a, a negative thing anymore in our society. Um, and so in, in that, call it a market failure, you know, we were able to learn a lot of, about business and about people. Uh, and so that's what we did then. And now, uh, now we're in the next downturn, right? Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, and this one, in my opinion, is, is, is unprecedented um, in terms of like, it's a double whammy, maybe a triple because of COVID, but really the double of, of the economic uh, uh, scale, which is significant demand destruction and coincidental oversupply in the world market, right? The geopolitical mm-hmm. aspect along with this, this drop in demand. Um, and then add, add add social media in there, which likes to dramatize everything. 
and then add an election in there, right? Like, I don't uh-huh. know how it could get any better or worse. How do you know what it is? Ahead, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so, you know, that that is what it is. Uh, try not to focus too much about the downturn. Uh, we got to do what we got to do. But uh, yeah, this one, this one's, uh, it's not good. Nope. <laughs> it's not good. I think that's a pretty good way to sum it all up. But like you'd mentioned, you had some projects at the start and then COVID it has Hulker been, I mean, anything change or are you used to running lean? Do you have projects you can still work on clients you can still work with? What has this changed for you as a business person, a professional? Right. Uh, good question. Um, it certainly has required us to be a little more lean. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt like we were pretty lean going into this, uh, but we definitely had to make more steps uh, to become more efficient for sure. Um, we, I feel, have always had an open mind, are optimistic, and uh, uh, as importantly as well as is to be compassionate of the people that we work with, right? Because we have businesses, we have resources that are, are much larger than individuals, but at the end of the day, the individuals are the ones that are our assets and, and do the work, right? And so um, they're, uh, they're in a state of uh, fear, just like we are, but they're like individuals. They've got one stream of income. Our business is several, right? And so uh, be cognizant of, of our folks um, as we try to implement uh, whatever we need to do to, to stay in business, right? And, and, and uh, uh, it, it's worked rather well, I think. Um, we, we certainly have reorganized our business functions. You know, reorganization is, is something that just happens in business. It's, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But bottom line is you're sort of reshuffling the deck, figuring out who's flexible, what are the other skill sets that we can uh, uh, bring together to maybe do some work in other industries? Um, uh, one other thing that uh, I think has been pretty healthy is we've been able to lower our debt load. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So with less debt gives us uh, more flexibility and uh, uh, we're not under the gun by a bank. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that was uh, a good deal for us. And then... Um, you know, we've, we've been able to diversify a little bit into other industrial sectors uh, as well. So uh, those are some of the things we've been, uh, we've been doing. Hey, I'm glad to hear it's been going well. I love to see people find success in, well, the hardest of times and hopefully come out a little bit stronger. Right, right. But I want to circle back to something you mentioned. You said 2015, 2016, no fun at all, but you had the opportunity to learn something. What do you right. think we're going to learn about this downturn and how will that change the way things operate, whether that's uh, just the industry in general or international relations, the way business is conducted? What's going to be new? I think the biggest thing that's going to be new is the digital technology. I think digital technology, uh, we're as a, on a personal level, we're surrounded by it all the time, right? Um, and then the word technology is, is, is a very general, generic word. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think the oil and gas business has always been on the leading edge of technology, um, but not necessarily the digital technology, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, uh, when I say technology in the oil and gas, like drilling a hole a couple miles deep takes a certain amount of mechanical technology and ingenuity. Uh, but that's different than implementing a, an automated system or uh, being better at aggregating your data to um, install it into some artificial intelligence system. That, that is what 
like the bigger companies are starting to dabble in that, but the smaller companies are definitely still doing it the way they've done it for, for decades. And, um, and uh, you know, my guess is they will be, they will be bought up. I think one of the big things that's going to happen, uh, there will probably always be the mom and pops um, that uh, are small enough to fly under a certain level of um, regulation uh-huh. uh, and just get by because they're putting their own sweat equity into it. Uh, but when you get into larger businesses, um, there is going to have to be more consolidation. Uh, we've seen it already. Uh, we worked with a client a, year, a little over a year ago. Um, actually, maybe it was less than a year ago. They've been, they've been sold twice in the past nine months. Oh, my uh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, so from public small company to public medium-sized company to public big company. Um, so these uh, these consolidation of assets is going to have to happen. Uh, that's going to that's going to basically allow for more economies economies of scale uh, and more efficiency in the uh, in the marketplace for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we've talked about present how Hawker's doing right now, how they're getting through it. But as an organization, or even just you as a professional, what are you going to do to try and stay ahead of the curve, adopt that tech, move forward in the industry, and pioneer new things? Right. Right. Well, um, like I had mentioned before, we we developed and patented a multi-phase flow meter that uses machine learning and analytics to um, basically predict what a well is flowing. So that that would be one of the things uh, I'm I'm real excited about that because uh, you know as a petroleum engineer you learn things in college about production. Um, you know. Like I had mentioned earlier, uh, I thought I was going to be an offshore drilling engineer, and it turned out I became a facility engineer, right? And I didn't go to college, per se, for, for <laughs> facility engineering, so I, I had a, a fair learning curve. Um, but uh, what, I, what I realized was facility engineering and production engineering go hand in hand. Um, and as the shell revolution took hold, the production facilities got rather large, um, mm. And they are what uh, was married to the production engineering and, and this, um, this idea of knowing how much flow is going through a facility, which maybe sounds like it should be a simple thing to know. That's, that's your product, that's your revenue stream, um, sometimes can be very difficult to figure out. Um, and people spend a lot of money to figure out how much product is moving through their facility. And so that was, that was sort of the, the, the aha moment is, hey, if, if, uh, if an operator doesn't have to spend as much capital dollars to understand what is flowing through their facilities, would they be interested? And, and the obvious answer is, sure seems like it. Uh-huh. Uh, and so this multi-phase flow meter that we put together uh, uh, is, is one of those things where we're, uh, we're pushing the boundaries of you know, uh, what we typically do. Um, another thing that uh, we've been uh, doing to try to stay ahead of it is, is uh, adding additional skill sets to our sort of our professional services resume. Um, you know, currently our, our uh, departments are broken down by process mechanical engineering, electrical instrumentation, control engineering, structural civil engineering, um, design engineering, uh, and project management. And so we've added uh, uh, an environmental engineering skill set to our portfolio. Uh, so that's been exciting. We have a, we have a company that uh, we acquired that uh, provides environmental engineering services in, uh, call it the heavy road construction business. Um, 
So we are going to, uh, down the road, uh, take that skill set and marry it to our oil and gas skill set. And I think what will come out of it is, is an expertise in air permitting and uh, soil analysis uh, in, in the oil field. Um, so we bolted on another skill set, and I think we're going to be able to integrate it into uh, our oil and gas business, uh, and then vice versa. Maybe, maybe there'll be opportunities that come out of uh, uh, the environmental engineering uh, uh, bid processes and whatnot. Love to see um, it healthy, growing, reinventing yourselves, but looking yeah. on a grand scale outside of just Denver, the rest of the world. Do you think as we move forward, new technologies are going to play a bigger role than they have in the past, or will people cross their arms and say, nope? This is the way it's always been done. This is the way we'll always do it. Right, right. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're already seeing uh, uh, more advances and certainly the new uh, administration, if you believe the new administration is gonna be, uh, is gonna be Biden. Uh, he has a lot of green initiatives. Um, and so the renewable energy um, market, I think is gonna continue to expand. Um, we, uh, we are currently, doing some uh, business, some engineering, detailed engineering for a, a, a company that has a project uh, that's currently under construction, and uh, it is a wood to jet fuel project. Like, it's bizarre. Like, you put wood in one end, uh -huh. and you get jet fuel out on the other, right? Oh, my God. Um, so that is, uh, that company is pretty interesting. Um, that technology uh, of sort of biomass to to liquid fuels is, is certainly not new, but these guys have some novel technologies and uh, I think they're set to take off pretty well. Um, and of course, digital digital technology will have a, a play in that as well, right? Um, and so yeah, on the, on the world scale, you know, at the end of the day, you gotta use this digital technology to squeeze that much more efficiency out of your assets. And that comes from automation of, of your process control systems, um, integrating like a, a digital twin technology into the into the assets such that you can forecast uh, and predict outcomes, reduced waste, uh, and you know, at the end of the day in the oil business, maximize the resource output. Uh, so that's, that's uh, some of the uh, ideas that we're chasing and some of the opportunities that uh, are, are presenting themselves uh, in, in the market right now. It's, mm -hmm. it's been pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. And then for a lot of the audience of this show, uh, usually Denver metro area, but it's starting to grow. A lot of young professionals, though, do listen to this. I mean, people like me who graduated in May or may have been in the business for only four years and are already going to jump ship, maybe. I mean, what advice do you have to give to people if they're looking to stay and develop themselves as energy professionals in the field of petroleum engineering or just wherever you think it's moving in the future? Right. Good question. I... Um... Uh, I think that what a young person ought to do, and, and whether you're young or old, I think it, I think it's true for both, uh, both uh, mindsets, and that is to keep an open mind about the opportunities that are presenting themselves in your daily life. Um, be persistent at what you think uh, are, are good ideas and, uh, and what makes sense to you. Uh, don't give up on them. Um, you know, trust your instincts and, and don't lose your voice. Um, and then really the, I think the, the most valuable thing uh, is, is to keep learning. Um, I have always had this, uh, this thought or this mindset uh, and it's gonna be specific, but I always thought, 
hey, if you're a process engineer that can understand the computer science, you can write your own ticket because process engineering and computer science, uh, uh, they overlap. And there's lots of other disciplines like that that overlap. But if you are educated in petroleum, for instance, and you pick up a skill on, uh, you know, what are some of the buzz uh, programs right now? Um, <laughs> Uh, struggling with uh, with that name, um, Python. If you start to learn Python and you start to learn some of these other coding languages, now you speak a vocabulary in the oil and gas business, and you speak a vocabulary in a in an industry that wants to get into oil and gas. Uh, so I think you got to keep learning. You got to keep educating yourself, and uh, don't think that just because the oil price went down that a petroleum engineer doesn't you know have a future. I think they still in my experience, understand the uh, sort of reservoir to sales process better than anyone else. They, they were given all the tools in college to learn about rocks and fluid flow and vertical flow rates and production facilities and marketing and, um, you know, working interest agreements and all of that stuff, right? And, and all that information is good. And uh, if you can bolt on additional information, uh, additional knowledge to that, uh, I, think, um, I think they'll do well. Love it. That's inspirational. And you hear that, everybody? We've got no excuse to not keep growing, keep moving forward, keep learning. And that does bring us to the end of all the questions I wanted to ask. Is there anything else you'd like to add for anyone listening or just a little extra plug for Hawker if you want? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I thank you for the opportunity, Tavis. Uh, it's been interesting. I, um, I am, uh, uh, I guess the word would be bullish on oil. I think that uh, at the end of the day, uh, the amount of energy that we consume is not going to be replaced overnight or in the next decade or two by other uh, energy sources. Uh, we need all the energy we can get, uh, but oil and gas is going to be around for a long time. Uh, and it needs expertise. It needs people that have a passion and desire to move the ball forward as it relates to new technologies and new ideas uh, in the oil field. Um, so uh, I'm excited for the future, and uh, I um, I hope that other people are as well. No, oh, I know uh, I certainly I am, and let's keep moving forward into this future together and keep learning. You can go to rarepetro.com to learn plenty of things. We've got other content, other industry leaders, spotlight interviews, kind of like the one you're listening to. So if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, be sure to do that. It's a whole lot more fun to watch than just to listen, and hey, you know where to go for the rest of the content. So thank you again for joining us, Matt. Thank you, Tavis. Have a great day. And until you see you next time, everybody, take care.